What's going on to the point podcast? I hope you guys are having an awesome, awesome day. Um, this probably shocked you coming out. We haven't done one in a little while, and I apologize about that. But today, uh, I'm going to kind of continue something today that uh, I preached not too long ago uh, on beginning with truth. Uh, and this has really been on my heart this year, you guys. And uh, I've got four points that I'm going to run through with you uh, just to just to show you the truth of your scripture, the truth of your word. You know, we talked about it. Uh, our Bible's under attack. And and if we're children of God, we should love his word. We should want to be in his word. Uh, and we should we should protect the word. And and I said this, not not because your Bible needs protecting, because it doesn't. It has stood the test of time. It's never going anywhere. Um, but we need to be able to protect it so we know because so we know for ourselves uh what it says just like this if i if i don't want to protect my wife uh because she knows how to shoot she knows how to shoot a gun pretty good okay she's a lot better than i am but if i don't want to step up and protect her do i really care about her uh so that's the same thing with your scripture we should want to protect it because we care about it um not necessarily that we have to because it's God's word. It's going to take care of itself. But look, I hope you're having a great day, man. I love you guys so much. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if, you're, if you're at a place where you can take notes, I want you to take notes today uh, because there are a lot of, there's a lot of information I'm going to write down. I had some of this in my, in my, uh, in my notes for, for, the, uh, for the sermon that I, I recently preached, but I just wasn't... Uh, I don't know. I didn't feel the Lord draw me to preach it, so I'm going to talk about it a little bit today. And uh, I've gotten a lot of these different uh, these different facts from different pastors, uh, different websites. So I want you guys to hang in with me. Uh, the first thing that we talked about uh, was that the Holy Bible was unified. Uh, that was the first, and that's the first point I'm going to kind of talk about today too, is that the Bible is unified. So right, so so some people say that it's it was written over fifteen hundred years. Other people say it was about sixteen hundred years. It was a long time. Okay, the Bible was written over fifteen to sixteen hundred years in a dozen countries, three continents, by forty different people in three different languages. Okay, so that is so just 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 so you know that is a lot of different moves. Okay, a lot of different moving going on there. Uh, but we said uh, Sunday that, that the Bible only has one author, and that's God. Uh, and the thing about it is it is it all has the same theme, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. You know, it's easy to have a writing by one person, by Muhammad. Uh, it's easy to have a central theme to that book of the Quran when you have one writer. Uh, the same thing goes for uh, Buddhism. <laughs> Yeah, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, you have one writing and it's easy to have a unified theme. When people see a unified theme, when, when, when historians and scholars see a unified theme over 40 different people in this amount of time, uh, it's, it's awesome because it points to something supernatural and something divine. Okay, and that's your Bible. Um, Luke 24, 27, uh, it says, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So there you go. It talks about it being unified. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And that's God talking to Moses and the prophets 
uh, about this Bible that we have. So that's point number one. Point number two, we talked about this a little bit too, uh, is the Holy Bible is prophetically accurate, right? And this is such a huge point, and this is probably one of my favorite points um, because all it takes, if we're gonna say, if we're gonna say our Bible is not true, if we're gonna say that it has error to it, all it takes is one of these prophecies to be bogus, right? To be false. And if one of these prophecies can be proven false, doesn't come true, doesn't happen, then you can throw your Bible out. It doesn't matter. So there are more than 1,000 prophecies in Scripture, and there are over 300 about Christ alone. Uh, over 300 prophecies about Christ alone. And what's really cool, so, so, it'd be, so a prophecy would be like me, okay, a prophecy about Jesus would be like me prophesying who's going to be the president of the United States uh, 400 years from now, where they're going to be born at. So if I say, if I say, you know, in the year 2424, the United States is going to have a president that comes from this little town in Kentucky, and then that coming true. Okay, so we're going to talk about the probability of that happening, but that's what a prophecy is. Okay, it's it it's it's a it's a it's a prophecy. I mean, it's a prediction of what's going to happen. Um, so I told you about the, uh, the crazy, uh, number, uh, that, that we had the probability of eight of these happening of eight of these prophecies being fulfilled. Well, I wanted to tell you that was by a guy named Dr. Peter Stoner. Okay. Dr. Peter Stoner. And he had over 600 students help him with this. And he got permission uh, to do this from the university he was at. And I just want to read you this. And this is off empowerglobal.org. Um, so uh, it says, The science of probability attempts to determine the chance that a given event will occur. A professor at Westmont College has calculated the prob- probability of one man fulfilling the major prophecies made concerning the Messiah. The estimates were worked out by 12 different classes representing some 600 university students. Now, this is the part that I like. The students carefully weighed all the factors, discussed discussed each prophecy at length, and examined the various circumstances which might indicate that men had conspired together to fulfill a particular prophecy. They made their estimates conservative enough so that there was finally an, an, an unanimous agreement even among the most skeptical students. However, the professor then took their estimates and made them even more conservative. He also encouraged other skeptics or scientists to make their own estimates to see if his conclusions were more than fair. Okay, so what I'm saying is this number that we see is a small number. So they said the odds, these are, these are the odds of... Uh, Micah 5 2, where it says that the Messiah, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. The students took that and they ran with it. So, this is what they did. They determined the average population of Bethlehem from the time of Micah to the present. Then they divided it by the average population of the earth during the same time period. Okay, this is a lot of math stuff. I'm not good at math. But this is what they concluded about one prophecy being fulfilled. Remember, there are over 300 about Christ. One prophecy being fulfilled, uh, 
the man, uh, or it says they concluded that the chance of one man being born in Bethlehem was one in 300,000. One in 300,000. So when we talk about probability, we're talking about uh, you get you get 10 ping pong balls, color one of them red, put them in a bucket, shake it up real good, blindfold yourself, shake it up real good, then reach in and draw that red ping pong ball. That's the probability. That's what a probability is. And it says that it was one in 300,000. So they even went to uh, one person fulfilling 48 prophecies is what they had gotten out to. And it was one in 10 to the 157th, 157th power. There is no number for that. That is like infinitely not possible unless it's God. And that's your Bible, okay? That's that, that's what I want you to see. That is your scripture. Second Peter one twenty one. it says, Prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Matthew twenty six fifty six. it says, but all, or, but this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in scriptures. And then Revelation 22 and 6, it says this, that these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord God, who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Y'all, the Bible is prophetically accurate, okay? That that alone should show you that this Bible is true. But I have more for you, okay? Um, the Bible is historically accurate, okay? The Bible is historically accurate. And this is just because we have a good God, y'all. He's so good, um... The Bible's historically accurate. So Psalm 33 and 4 says, The word of the Lord is right and it's true. It's not only right, but it's also true. It's it's historically accurate. So uh, the standard, there there are three main standards for uh, for accuracy, uh, for historical accurate documents. There are three things. There are eyewitness accounts, uh, which we have we have the gospels. Uh, most of the Bible is written by an eyewitness account. Someone saw this happen, uh, and now they're writing about it. Uh, this is one of the standards for accuracy. The second thing is an early recorded and copied with extreme care. Okay, so so a lot of the New Testament writings that we have were written uh, about 30 years after Christ was crucified. So I want you to think, uh, if you're older than 30, if you can think back 30 years to when something so amazing happened, maybe it was your wedding day, maybe it was a first car you bought, maybe it was when you graduated high school, maybe it was winning a championship game, and think about going back and writing that. Uh, that's how they were able to do this with such detail, even 30 years after it happened. Now, this is, this is what's true about the Quran. Was the Quran, uh, the prophet Muhammad came about 500, 600 years after the death of Christ, but then it wasn't written about uh, until even further than that. It was a long time after that. So there was a lot of time uh, from when they say this happened and it was recorded. Uh, so it was copied, the Bible was copied with extreme care. Jews are historically known as meticulous scribes. People say that that uh, the early Jewish scribes, when they copied the the uh, the Torah, the first five books of the law, that they would copy it letter by letter, not word for word, is they would translate it letter by letter. So it was copied with extreme care. Look, 
people say out there that each time it's rewritten, that it's messed up, uh, that it loses its power. That is not true, okay? These early scribes had a job, and someone even said that they would they they knew which which letter was the middle of all five of these books, and they would count backwards. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, and then they would count from the front. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And if they didn't meet in the middle, if they weren't exactly accurate, they would throw it away and start over. Okay. Number three, the Holy Bible is historically accurate. So the point number three, standard for accuracy, is there is archaeological confirmation. That means they found it in the dirt. Um um, we talked about uh, we talked about you know if if the scriptures were stacked on top of each other that have been found it would be over a mile high in the sky over a mile high in the sky uh, over five thousand copies original copies have been found of our scriptures some people some people will say this well uh, I don't trust the Bible because it was written down so many times and I heard I heard one uh, one apologist he said. I think I think that was God's intent. That was God's design. So it could be written down and transferred to so many different people. It was God's design that there wasn't just one and only one. So now you have 5,000 original copies that can be copied to make another 15,000 original copies. I, I hope that makes sense. Um, and then the last point uh, that I have is the Holy Bible is scientifically accurate, and this is so cool to me too. And y'all, I know this is super teachy and super deep, but this is your word, okay? And I want you, I want you to be able to stand up for it and not have any doubts about it, and be able to uh, to hold tight to it and to trust it, because God's words are trustworthy and they're true. Okay, the Holy Bible is scientifically accurate. We've heard the term a lot lately. Trust the science. Trust the science. But here's the problem, and we've all learned this over time, especially uh, if you were to go back to your science class, your high school science class, I guarantee you they would not be using the same science textbook. Why is that? Because the more that we, the more that we learn, the more our science changes, Right? There, uh, the Louvre in Paris. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. I've never been there. Maybe one day I will. I think Reagan wants to go to Paris one day. So, Lord willing, we'll go. The Louvre in Paris has three and a half miles of old science books. Okay, of old science books that are no longer uh, working because we've learned new things. In fact, uh, the the science whenever uh, Jesus was walking thought that the earth was flat, okay? They believed this for 2,000 years that the earth was flat. Remember Christopher Columbus? People thought he was going to sell off the earth. Once he sailed past the horizon, it just falls straight off. Well, if they would have looked to the Bible, Isaiah 40 and 22 said this is 2,600 years before Columbus. Isaiah 40 and 22 says this, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. You see, if, if the Bible's accurate, it's got to be scientifically accurate as well. The Bible has never been disproven by science. The, the, the Bible says that the world, or Isaiah says, God sits enthroned above the circle, the sphere, uh, other, other versions say, the circle of the earth. 
that's awesome considering that we know now that the earth is round. It's not flat. And back then they thought it would be flat. One of the things that they also thought was the earth has to be held up by something, right? The Greeks thought that the earth sat on Atlas's shoulders. The Hindus thought that the earth was on the back of an elephant and the elephant stood on the back of a turtle and the turtle stood on the back of a uh, of a snake. This is their tradition. This is their, their, their theory of how uh, the earth was held up. The Egyptians had a theory that the earth was held up with pillars. Well, Job 26 and 7, the earliest, the oldest written book that we have of the Bible, Job says this, he spreads out the northern skies over empty space. And he, he being God, suspends the earth over nothing. Isn't that powerful? To know that we we serve a God and we we have a I don't even like to say a religion but we have a belief in a God that is perfect and He is flawless and nothing is wrong the the scripture nothing is wrong with the scripture I just cannot even uh, expand on that explain that enough but there's one more is they thought the number of stars could be counted science back back whenever. Uh, in, in Bible times, believe that the stars could be counted. In 150 BC, there was a guy, he numbered the stars, okay? He looked up to the heavens and he counted, uh, and this is recorded in history, and he counted 1,022, right? That's how many stars that they thought that there were. Well, 300 years later, uh, there was another guy, Ptolemy, in 150 AD, uh, he looked up in the stars and he said this first guy was wrong, right? He recounted the stars and he said there were 1,026. He was off by four, 300 years earlier. Well, uh, if you look on Google, Google says now that there are 200 billion trillion, trillion. Okay. But the Bible teaches that the number of stars cannot be counted, so Jeremiah 32, 33 and 22 says that I also remember the passage of Abraham when he calls Abraham out and he says, I want you to look up at the stars. If you can number them, that's how many your descendants will be. The Bible, the stars are unnumberable, okay? And the Bible says that they cannot be numbered, right? So uh, this is what I'm going to leave you with. Psalm 12 and 6, it says, the words of the Lord are flawless. They're like silver purified in a crucible like gold refined seven times. So those are just four uh, really nerdy points about why you can trust your Bible, okay? And I encourage you, look, this whole thing is is just really me wanting you to get into your word and not to have doubt about it, okay? Believe what God says about you. Believe the promises that God has given you. Believe that Jesus really is the Son of God, and then He died to save our souls, because that's what the Bible says happened. Believe that. Uh, don't have any doubts about this word. So that's all I have. Uh, just run through it one more time. One, the Holy Bible is thematically unified. Two, the Holy Bible is prophetically accurate. Three, the Holy Bible is historically accurate. And four, the Holy Bible is scientifically accurate. Uh, I'll have three points the next time we go into this. Uh, So yeah, I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Hey, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe. It helps us out. Like it, share it. Uh, Until next time, we love you. God bless you to the point. Let's go.